You're listening to the Being Stellar Podcast, the podcast for modern leaders and entrepreneurs who are tired of hustle culture and ready to invite more ease and more prosperity into their lives. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth, master teacher and coach, and I am obsessed with helping you avoid burnout while you create a sustainable lifestyle full of possibility and profit on your terms. On the show, you'll hear inspiring stories of possibility, and you'll get empowering strategies and insights from me to support you in creating your stellar life. Well, hello there, stellar friends, and welcome back to the Being Stellar podcast. As you know, I am always on the lookout for people who are being stellar in the world, and as a result, I am always finding them. Today's guest, I actually picked up on an airplane on my way home from Mexico earlier this year. I was eavesdropping on the conversation he was having with his seatmate across the aisle from me and realized very quickly that this is someone I wanted to meet. So first chance I had to meet him, I made sure that I did. And after a very short conversation and walking through the airport together to get our luggage in Vancouver, I realized he's somebody I wanted you to meet as well. Today's guest is Ed Ray. For the last few years, Ed has quietly pulled the strings behind dozens of the biggest seven, eight, and nine figure brands who sell products online. You may have seen some of the ads that he has written. He's generated over $20 million in sales, consulting with his private clients on their marketing and business strategy so they can attract their dream clients while maximizing profits. He also trains copywriters on how to hit six figures while living a lifestyle they actually enjoy, just like he does. It is an absolute marketing and copywriting genius, so I'm pleased to have him on my show today. Ed, welcome to the show. Tell us who you are and what you're doing in the world because I'm so fascinated by how at such a young age you realized that this was your zone of genius and you decided I'm going to stay in this lane. Man, so much to unpack there. Whenever, whenever people ask me like, like, you know, what do I do? Who am I? I, I always feel it's like a very hard to answer question because I feel like mm -hmm. a bit of a Swiss army knife because it depends who you are. I provide different things. Essentially, I have been a direct response copywriter for the last seven, eight years, generated like at least $12.8 million in sales directly with my words and tens of millions of dollars more through the clients I've consulted with. I've worked with dozens of seven and eight and nine figure brands in the online marketing space. And I've kind of like pulled the puppet strings behind a lot of them that helped them really grow and scale fast and market aggressively on um, especially social media. It's kind of been my wheelhouse. So I hope, I hope that's like a yeah. good start. <laughs> well, it is a great start. And, and tell us about your, your education. Like, how did you know this was something that you wanted to do, something like magical? Because you're, you're a great writer, you're a great communicator. You have obviously had a huge impact with your words, which as a former English teacher and someone who loves words, I was super excited to hear that. I was like, I want to know that guy. And I think you said to me on the plane, I pro you probably would have been my favorite student and probably true. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And because uh, we can geek out over communication and words together. And you knew very young and I, I tell the story of how you started in this business of copywriting and being a copywriter for, for other people, for these massive brands. So like any good story, if you're a guy, it always starts with a girl. So when I was, geez, I must have been like 11 years old. 
I was obsessed with this girl named Megan. Uh, I think I was in sixth, mm-hmm. sixth grade. And I really wanted her to like me. So I went to Google and I searched up how to get girls to like me. And <laughs> what I found was the world of direct response copywriting. And so there were sales presentations and emails and uh, lead magnets created by these dating coaches. And what I didn't know at the time was the dating niche had all the best copywriters uh, in the whole world. Like that was the most, like the hottest market to be in. So I would run to the local gas station, use my, you know, use my little uh, debit card or uh, cash that I would just get from my parents uh, as allowance. And I would buy prepaid credit cards so I could buy these dating programs on how to get girls to like me at 11 years old. And (laughs) (laughs) and so I kind of stumbled upon this one guy who kind of opened my eyes to the fact that you can make money online selling information. And I was like, well, so I think I was like 14 at this time. I was like, well, you know what? I've been through enough of these dating programs. I could probably teach this. And so, and unfortunately, I deleted all the YouTube videos. So there's no evidence left. But I made, I made a YouTube channel on how to get, you know, how to get girls' numbers, what to text them. And it was this whole thing. I was, I was a talk of town Amazing. in my high school. Didn't last for long because I wanted to get a job at McDonald's because my parents were like super adamant, like, like a regular job. Never happened. And <laughs> yay! <laughs> yeah, right. Yay. One, one of my missions with don't tell my sister, but one of my missions for oh, my yeah. niece was for her to never have a real job. So Seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of that. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. I mean, my my only like real job was I, I was a gardener for one day. When I was like six when I was like sixteen because my parents were trying to push the blue collar on me, and I was like, mm. I'm never doing this again. And the other thing was I was a, a kind of the male equivalent of a go-go girl. Uh, or a DJ <laughs> and a DJ for my cousin's uh, DJing company that throws mm-hmm. parties for bar mitzvahs and weddings. But anyway, that was my only real job. But that was like right. the fun one. So mm-hmm. I got recruited to join a MLM selling ionized water after the whole dating coach stint. Um, I labeled myself Canada's confidence consultant for marriage. This is hilarious. Because uh, how old were you at the time? 15? Uh, 14. Uh, 14. Yeah, 14, 15. Okay. Yeah, I was really young. And basically this guy was like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't start your own business. You should like, you know, sell this fucking product. I was like, okay, fine. So I sold this ionized water for eight months. I lost like five grand. All my bar mitzvah money was gone. I made no doll. I made no, 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 no money back, but I learned how to write and run my own Facebook ads. And then at that point in time, I met my previous mentor in Vancouver and he looked at me and he was like, why are you writing your own advertisements when you could be writing it for clients and getting paid instead of trying to figure it out? And I was like, that's fucking genius. Mm. So I ended up working for him for two and a half years, 80 to 100 hours a week. Um, by the way, this was on top of, like, I was 17 years old when I started working with him officially. On top of graduating school with like 89, 90% average, being part of the jazz band, the uh, second best high school choir in Canada. and breakdancing, tap dancing, hip hop, every, every overachiever thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, going to these, these uh, weekly or monthly meetings at his like penthouse in Vancouver, very different reality. So mm-hmm. working with him for two and a half years, I learned the skill and art of direct response marketing, how to uh, sell pretty much anything online. And because of that, I was able to, my, my, my career catapulted 
even though I ate shit for two and a half years and worked for free for six months of it, mm-hmm. I was able to like get basically 10 years of knowledge into two and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's so much here that I want to unpack. The, the first one is the, the real job. And, and at least in the MLM, because I think there's a lot of people, my listeners and will have experienced this because most of them are entrepreneurs, mm. this idea of getting a real job and this pressure that we feel to go to university to get the real job because it's something that other people understand. And yep. it makes sense to your parents to go work at McDonald's. Like it's going to teach you the work ethic. I mean, nothing wrong with working at McDonald's. There's lots of people who have done that and gotten great work ethic and then gone on to do amazing things in the world. And it clearly wasn't your thing. It wasn't your zone of genius. So I just want to acknowledge you mm. for pushing back on that. And it takes some courage or just a, a real audacity to say, no, I'm not doing that. I want to do this other thing. And yeah. clearly you've got an entrepreneurial spirit. So the the real job thing, and then the, the multi-level marketing, most of our reader, listeners know what that is. And it's interesting that there's all these promises. And as you know, you were seduced by it because, wow, it certainly does seem safer to sell somebody else's business than to go into business for yourself. So tell me, say a little bit more about that, that process of the, the seduction of this MLM and how you then decided it wasn't for you. So I had started selling, you know, trying to sell these online dating courses that I, I didn't even get to make it yet. And then I got, uh, I guess, Outbound is reached out to by a guy who I know who was part of this group that I was part of, uh, like this men's dating coach group. Uh, and he was basically saying, hey, everyone in this group is doing this thing. And even the guy who runs the group is approves of it. So you should do it, man. It's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being a young, impressionable kid, I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, if, if, if the mentor, the, you know, the, the guru suggested, I'll do it, of course. Was it a get rich quick kind of offer? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was it was t- totally get rich quick. Yeah. So so, so he, he persuaded dissuaded you. me. Yeah. yeah out, out of mm-hmm. doing my own business, of like yeah, you know it's hard to do that these days. You know it's saturated market. Mm-hmm. You know and and if if you're already having doubts, hearing something like that is so easy to just fall into. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's it's so common. I, I've had it so many times. I can't tell you how many times my inbox gets hit with, Hey, do you want to sell skincare? Do you want to sell this vitamin supplement? Do you want to do that? You know, and they're offering me these things. And, and yes, when you're, because I think those people, that's their marketing smarts, I guess, is they know that people who are in entrepreneurship are vulnerable to our own yeah. self doubts. And then we're going, Oh, sure. That seems easier. Hundred yeah. percent. We are absolutely vulnerable to our volati- volatility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you you said was about the importance of mentors. So you got you decided mm. to turn your attention. Oh, by the way, I I kind of wish that those YouTube channels were still available because I'm sure they were awesome. Oh, oh, Ed, the I dating know. coach. I, God, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to look at it like that. <laughs> just crying. Oh yeah. Well, some of the things we do, and that's the beauty of right. The, yeah. I think the lesson with that is that. We, when we're willing to experiment, yeah, there's stuff that disappears. I have the Real Estate Classroom YouTube series that has also been taken down and is not a part Mm. of reality anymore because it was a thing I was trying to discover 
who I wanted to be in the world and realizing that being a realtor, well, it's an important job, was not the right job for me. And I was looking for ways to express myself and teach, right? And so I did the same route. But the key in those moments when you're feeling a little bit like lost and you did that thing and you uh, were doing the MLM thing and realizing it's not for you, and then you had a mentor. And a lot of people ask the question, well, how do I find a mentor? And how do I know when I've got a mentor? And you can't just say to somebody, hey, will you be my mentor? I mean, sometimes you can. But how did that play out for you? And how did you know this is the person that I'm going to follow because they've got something Mm. to teach me? I love that question. So I kind of knew that that guy was going to be my mentor because, and going back to your question of like, how do you find your mentor? How do you know? Um, It has to be someone who you actually would like honestly trade lives with in a sense, Uh, not in a comparison way. But like, oh shit, this person has the income, the lifestyle, business model, relationships that I want. At that time, looking back now, he doesn't have any of those things. But back then, uh, the, the perceived status was he has all those things that I want. And so going into mentorship, I think a lot of people look to get results fast. But what really stood out to me about this guy was his emphasis on skills. And so if I would, if I were to do it all over again and do it again faster somehow than I would have done it, I would look for skills over income and money hundred percent. Cause when I was working on my own freelance as a copywriter, I was like 17, I was making 4,500 like Canadian bucks a month. Just, you know, it's not bad for 17 year old. It's like almost as much as my dad, uh, working full time, late night, uh, graveyard shifts at a printing uh, manufacturing company. But if I had, but when I started working with this mentor, my income went down to 2K a month and yeah, I was pissed off about it, but mm. I learned the skills. And I look back at what I was making when I was, or like what I was writing, when I was making that income, I was like, this is shit, like, this is horrible. How did anybody pay me for this? Mm. And so I think when you're going for a mentor, it's really, really important to, one, make sure that they are the kind of person you want to be around outside of the area you want to learn about like from them because you will take on a lot of their beliefs their habits about life it happens that my previous mentor has no empathy no friends no social life no respect for family you know so that's kind of what my life became i became a very successful marketer i was very and so i'm very respected in the industry but my social life and health suffered as, as a byproduct so okay. when you're choosing a mentor it has to be someone that holistically is someone you'd, you'd want to become. That's the first thing. Second thing, mm-hmm. look for skills, not just income, not just success in whatever domain you're looking at. And the third, they have to be someone you actually would hang out with outside of business, outside yeah. of career or health or whatever you're going to someone to, for mentorship. Mm-hmm. So three things that I heard there and I want to highlight for the listeners. One is look for somebody who you want to change lives with. Okay, mic drop on that one. And do they have the lifestyle? Do they have the wealth? What it is that you're looking to create in your life? The second is look for skills that you're going to learn for them. And then, and that's so important. And I, I'm always hammering that in. It's like, you can't skip from where you are to where you want to be without learning the skills that are going to take you there. 
-hmm. And so many people want the magic bullet fast answer that's going to get them there instantly. And just before we came on, I was, I listened to some things, podcasts and different things. And I was listening to YouTube this morning to an Abraham Hicks video. And, and I've, I've been targeted like four times in the last couple of hours or a couple of days with this ad going, here's our 19 page super duper magic bullet for you of how to do YouTube ads. And, you know, yes, I'm sure they're giving some real value there and it's not as easy as they make it sound, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to work through that 19 pages. You've got to build those skills. Yep. It's a description of the skills you need to build and they've reduced it to 19 pages. Awesome. That's their skill. And let's make sure that you're aware you've got to build those skills. So make sure there's someone you want to change your life with, get the skills on the way. And the third that you said was to make sure there's real alignment. Make sure you want to hang out with them. They're really who they're presenting themselves to be. Yep. And one of the things that you and I talked about as we walked through the Vancouver airport, um, Ed now lives in, in England, by the way, and he was, uh, and we'll tell that story in a little bit, and he was coming back to Canada to visit his parents in Vancouver. And, you know, we were, I remember having this conversation as we we're walking through the airport. And we talked about how that being out of alignment leads to burnout when you think that mm -hmm. all of these things that, you know, you value family and you value connection and you value um, a lifestyle that allows for connection and freedom and, and possibility. And you're working with somebody who's like, it's just the bottom line. Let's just make as much money as possible at all costs, like, you know, regardless of the cost. And not to say you can't be successful without burning yourself out, but you were definitely on a path to burnout there. And we're kind of experiencing that you've done so much. Mm -hmm. So make sure that we, we know that we're looking for those mentors. And the other thing I want to highlight to you, Ed, that I loved what you said is that, yep. At first you were annoyed that you were making less money, but what I want the listeners to pick up from that, that you didn't quite say, but you tell me if this is accurate was this is you viewed this as an apprenticeship. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. this idea of apprenticeship is so underrated these days when we have all these magic bullets and quick, get rich quick and all these things. And if you really want to be successful, you've got to be willing to do an apprenticeship. When I got into coach training, when I got into coaching and I did my coach training, the first thing I did was hire a coach who for two years, I was in a mentorship relationship with her to learn how to be a really great coach and to be a business person. And you know, I'm still in that process. Every time I hire a coach or, a, or someone I'm working with, it's about being in that mentor, in that apprenticeship mindset, which leads me to something that you have created. The apprenticeship program, and I don't know if you call it that, that you've created. And can you tell us a story of, first of all, how you decided you were gonna do that? Go from, cause you were doing a lot of one-to-one and you decide mm -hmm. this is a lot, you're being overextended and you're kind of losing the spark. And then you went into creating something that's a one-to-many model that's inspiring a lot of people. So it didn't start out of, I want to help the world. I want to do this. I remember I was in Arizona and at this point in my, in my career, I was working like one or two, maybe three hours a day, sometimes five, like if I worked really hard, I was making like 45 grand a month um, working with like the biggest names in my industry mm. and I was just fucking tired. I was like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be anything. And I was taking it easy. I was playing video games. I was, you know, letting my health go. 
And I remember I took my girlfriend Hannah to the uh, nail salon. We were in Arizona visiting some friends. I, I just finished speaking on stage just at an event. And she basically goes, Ed, uh, you're only operating at 1% of your potential right now. And I expect a lot more from you. Like, mm. let's fix this. Your, your experience being a dating coach has taught you how to pick a partner who's going to come alongside and say, hey, oh, yeah. babe, you're only working at 1% of your potential. You can do yep. more and you're going to be happier if you're doing it. Yeah, that's so great. 100%. And so that really encouraged me to launch my group program. I was really insecure about it. I was like, oh, no, who am I to teach this? Even though I have more industry track record than like pretty much anybody else who's mm -hmm. coaching on this stuff. I was helping copywriters and get high paying clients. That was it. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I was really nervous at first. I wasn't sure if anybody would, would want to buy it from me. Uh, I didn't even have a sales page. I didn't have like anything proper. I just went to Facebook and went to my email list. I was like, hey guys, I've got this thing at seven weeks, 2,500 bucks. Do you want it in or out? I got like a dozen people to sign up. I was like, mm -hmm. wow, okay. So I guess we got something here. And then that kind of became my mentorship program lifestyle copywriter because i think a lot of copywriters you know they, they think they have to choose between money and lifestyle i want to say lifestyle i don't just i don't, mm -hmm. I don't just mean fancy shit or mm -hmm. you know sipping my ties to the beach i mean like being happy with who you are yeah. and fulfilled with what you're doing uh, I, I believe you don't you shouldn't have to choose mm, that's mm -hmm. why we're here having this conversation you don't have to choose both between both mm -hmm. you know I think it's important to to note for the listeners again that you were doing well. You were making a lot of money mm -hmm. and speaking on stages, making an impact, and it wasn't inspiring you anymore. It was too easy. And sometimes mm -hmm. that, and even though you've got all these skills and you're like, people think, well, he's got all this money. Why should he be afraid of making an offer? And you know, and you too were nervous. Like, what if I offer this and nobody wants it, right? Yeah. Our egos are always on the line, no matter how much money we're making or how much success we're experiencing in the world. When we go to that place, we're like, okay, I'm going to expand a little bit further. I'm going to step just another foot outside my comfort zone. There's going to be anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just a note, because some people think that once you make it, to a certain level of success, you won't feel those feelings anymore. And we are all always yeah. coming up against ourselves. Mm -hmm. You never, if there's one thing I've, I've learned, it's you never make it. Yeah. There's no such thing. Yeah. There's always gonna be another mountain to climb. There's always gonna be another hill to go over. And if you stop going over hills, in my opinion, then you kind of start dying. Like you start yeah. being uninspired. Unless it's like a season of your life where you just mm -hmm. decide to go like monk mode. Unless you're a monk, I would say that's the only exception. For the, the rest of us normal people, yeah. uh, there's always going to be another hill. Mm -hmm. And side tangent, we always put our, we, it's like we sign this like agreement or contract to be unhappy with ourselves until we reach the mm -hmm. goal. And then yes. we realize that the goal wasn't even that good in the first place. And then we go, oh, then the next goal will make me happy. And then the next goal will make me happy, but it never does. So just, yeah. and this has been a, been a big learning for me recently, is enjoying the process. I know that sounds super, yeah. super fucking cliche, because it is, but it's cliche for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. So enjoying the process has been tremendous for me lately. I switched my thinking from, and so talk about burnout, what really, really changed for me, the number one thing, 
was changing my internal dialogue to myself uh, from what do I want to do? If you, if you, if you truly answer that question, yeah. what do I want to do? If you truly answer that question, I want to sit on the couch naked, eat fucking Cheetos, <laughs> and play video games or watch Netflix. <laughs> that, that is what we all, I believe, mm-hmm. want to do. To an extent, everyone will have their own version of that. But basically, slacking off. Mm-hmm. I like that's my belief. Yeah. So, I was because because I was in the position in my life, income wise and time wise, I can I had the luxury to say, what do I want to do? Nothing. Okay, so I did nothing. But mm-hmm. I went and this is a series of conversations, three years trying to figure this shit out, and just, I'm just starting to come out of it. I looked at myself and I was like, okay, well, what are my values? Growth, connection, and integrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, fun, fun is in there too. You know, fun, fun is in mm-hmm. there and like one other thing, but like growth, connect, like growth is my number one value. I've always valued it the most. But all of a sudden, when I made it, I stopped trying to grow. I stopped asking mm-hmm. myself, how can I grow more? And so these days, the question I ask myself is, how can I grow more? So, so, you know, if I have to fucking do, uh, so right now, um, I'm closing up my business in Canada. And if you, if you're not familiar, there's this really brutal thing, which I call the Indiana Jones tax, which is essentially, you know, Indiana Jones, when like the the, the gate's closing and he pulls the hat Mm -hmm. out last second, the Canadian government does the same thing where they take 20% or 18.75% of your profits when you close your business. Uh, so I'm like really like putting off completing wrapping up the accounting on that the problem with the problem with that is i'm having a hard time getting merchant processing accounts in the uk that's a whole other side tangent but if i ask myself what do i want to do well not that but what's going to make me grow okay well encouraging myself to do that sit down just do the work and enjoy it Mm -hmm. and so i think for a lot of people it's really really crucial for them to not just do what they want um, we get this advice to follow your passion, mm-hmm. but I think we can find a way to learn to implement our natural strengths above our passions. Yes. If you, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm just going to ranch. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Uh, I love this because this is all about being in your zone of genius. I agree with you. Following your passion might lead you onto the couch eating Cheetos, right? But the... 100% being in your zone of genius and mm. coming from that place where you're agreeing to to grow in that is so powerful. So keep, yeah, yeah. keep talking, man. You're talking my language. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so people say to follow your passions, but the problem mm-hmm. is you love your passions because there's no sense of responsibility with it normally. Mm. It's not like, obviously there's exceptions, but for the majority of people, unless you want to become a professional dancer and truly, truly mean that. Um, not just you enjoy dancing, so you decide to make a career out of it. It's two very different things. Um, you lose the love of the thing because now you have to do it for money. And now you're not doing it because you want to do it or because you love it, but because you have to. Yeah. So if you so, pa- passion doesn't yes. mean you're good at it. There are well, very, very many goes, people who love yeah. to sing, but they suck at singing. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Right. Now, this goes back to what you said before, though, about how we have this agreement. We make these agreements with ourselves to be unhappy and yeah. to be unhappy till we get it. So we've seen that. I've seen that with people who are professional dancers and professional, you know, hockey players. And, that, and they get to that place. They're like, oh, 
this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not fun anymore because we, we had this, this thing. It's like, I'm going to be happy when we're pushing our happiness yep. out into the future constantly. And if we can learn to be at peace with what's happening right now, where we're at right now, right? For you even to be at peace with, wow, this is really annoying that I have to deal with this Indiana Jones tax. I love that you called it that. And it's super That's annoying. I and I know he's the word master. And the fact that you're in this place, though, that you're, you have created a life and a business that's allowed you to go global and be international. And so it means you've got to tie up these loose ends in Canada and your business in Canada so that it can give you that, that next level. And yet we can, you can rail against that. Like this was so annoying that I have to do taxes. You know, I call my, my tax account, my Canadian club fees account. It's way more fun putting money in the fees to be a member of the club of Canada, where we have great roads, pretty decent healthcare and a lot of other advantages and freedoms. You know, or I could rail against it and say, I have to pay taxes, it sucks. Wow, you know, so it's a choice always to be at peace with yep. this moment. And I love what you're talking about, Ed, that that's what you're discovering. And so many people wait, myself included, wait a really long time in their lives to allow themselves to be at peace with this moment. Because we buy into mm -hmm. hustle culture, which tells us, we're going to be happy when we achieve that next great thing. I mean, and you know, mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I, I'm drawn to and that I collect are high achievers. You're a multi-passionate high achiever. And we tend to go from mountaintop to mountaintop. And mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that you're discovering there's a place to stop at the top of the mountain and be with that moment before you go to the next place. I also really appreciated what you said about the following your values for growth. And growing doesn't necessarily mean growing your business. It might mean growing some other ways. Do you want to talk to that? For sure. So when I say growth, it's about growing my character as an individual. It's about learning new skills and frankly, feeling like an idiot. I think that's my favorite feeling in the whole world is when I feel absolutely, it's been a while since I felt that way. It's happened a bit recently, but feeling completely engulfed of like holy shit like this is a new environment okay cool i get to figure this out this is fun i love solving i love solving problems i love you know going uh fixing challenges and um and at growth every day i strive to be a better boyfriend every day i you know want to be a better future father for my kids you know when i have them every day i want to optimize my business and improve my marketing talents. Every day I want to become a more effective communicator and convey my ideas more. Like growth is not, also growth uh, in weight loss, fitness. So I, another, another talent here, uh, breakdancing. So back, back when I was breakdancing a lot more, I really strive to be really, really good and practice frequently. Mm. None of it's fun. I mean, it is fun, but none of it's like easy. It's difficult, right. it's challenging, but that's what makes it rewarding. And so I guess yeah. when you're trying to find the areas of growth in your life, ask yourself, what areas would you love to see improvement in? And that's where you'll find room for growth. Yes. You know, and I, as you're going through the, the various areas of your, your life that you're talking about growth, I call those like the five zones of the stellar life. Work, mm. play, health and wellness, relationships, and money. And mm. as we ask ourselves, 
what do we, where, do, how do we want to grow in those places? It's such a better question than the earlier you said, asking what we want. People are challenged with that. I mean, for a couple of reasons. There's so many of us, especially, I can only speak from my experience as a woman, is that, and, and the upbringing that I had, that allowing myself to want something was something I had to train myself to do because I'd been mm. really uh, brought up in this environment of like, just be satisfied, right? Be satisfied with what you have and be thankful. And it's okay to be thankful for what you have and still desire something more, something better for yourself and allow yourself to be in the wanting of that. And so to ask yourself instead, how can I grow in these areas might be a better question than what do I want? Yeah. So and thank you for underscoring say, that. Of course. And that's not to say that you shouldn't you know, go after what you want, I think that, that would be yeah. an extreme yeah. exception to the rule. When I say go after what brings you growth more, because that's what's going to be more fulfilling. Like, yeah, I'll still be cheesecake. I'll still take weekends off sometimes. Like, I'll still mm-hmm. sleep in. Sure, I do things I want to do. And that's not to dismiss your own desires, again. Yes. Because it's important to, like, acknowledge yourself and understand, like, what you want, what you don't want. And it's good to acknowledge those things and mm-hmm. go after some of them. But my kind of case was I, I, I was in a place where I could ask myself, what do I want? And it made me miserable. And that was the only question mm-hmm. I asked myself. There was no other questions because I didn't have to. Because it's not like, hey, what do I have to do to make money this month to, you know, to pay mm-hmm. rent? I wasn't asking those questions. It was what I want to do. I want to play video games. So I did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because I think it's it's – this is the other side of success that people don't realize that once you get to a certain place, they think everything's going to be easy and you won't have any of this. And you know, life's going to be smooth sailing. You'll know exactly what you want. You'll have it easily. I mean, you know, there's a, an author, uh, I can't remember her name, so I will put it in the show notes if I remember, but she says that those kind of goals of like are dead people's goals to have it all figured out. And so this is the journey we're on it. This is the stellar life of constantly expanding and growing into who you are becoming. And it's a constant of becoming. And it sounded like, you know, you and I, you and I had have talked about this in, in the airport and on the airplane, that there's this place of where you think you've arrived and then it gets stagnant. And so when you recognize that you're in that state of becoming constantly and being okay with that, there's this paradox of being okay with where you're at and allowing yourself to grow, encouraging yourself to grow. So when you talk about like all the things that, that you've experienced with your business and your one-to-many model, where you're basically this apprenticeship program, which it called, what's it called by the way? Lifestyle copywriter. Lifestyle copywriter. And you started this business and it was like, you said it was just mercenary. It was savage. You said, I just wanted to, not that I wanted to change the world. And that's okay. I want my listeners to hear that that's okay. Because a lot of, especially the women who I, who listen, they feel like if they're high nurturers, they really want to like change the world. It's not okay. Just like, how can I get what I need? And understanding that even if you answer that question, not how do I change the world, but how do I get what I need? And you're in your zone of genius, you will have an impact. It's just, it's, it's like physics, right? If you're expanding from your zone of genius, doing what you need to do and expressing yourself in the world, 
you will have an impact. And that's one of the things that you're doing by creating this lifestyle copyright. There's other people, because especially creatives, right? We know, I'm, I'm air quoting for those of you who are listening. It's like creatives, like copywriters, can be the people who actually limit themselves from experiencing that full financial freedom. And so you really have had a huge impact and it gives me goosebumps when I think about that, the impact that you've had, even though that wasn't your intention. So let's just emphasize that it's okay to start with what you need and what you want when it comes to your, your expression of yourself. Okay. So your zone of genius, Ed, how would you describe it? Because I'm always trying to help people discover theirs and it's sometimes really helpful to hear someone else say, this is my genius. This is that thing I could do all day long and never get tired. And I know that I'm doing my work on this planet when I'm in that space. How would you describe your zone of genius? Mm, I love supporting people um, emotionally and giving them guidance and advice to especially help them give them permission to do what they want to do and give them a lot of clarity. I think clarity is really like, like someone can come to me and they can be like, Ed, I'm not really sure what to do about this. And I can, unlike a consultant, I, I like to coach, which is I ask you the questions to help you discover the answer for within yourself. I know what the answer is, but I'll let you come to your own conclusion. So yeah. I love helping people gain a lot of clarity in their lives. Like I, I just got off an enrollment call with someone, this is our second time now. She applied to join Lifestyle Copywriter and by the end of the call, we got so deep, she was in tears about her situation. Mm -hmm. And I gave her a lot of clarity around her situation, where she is right now and where she has to go. She didn't enroll. This is the second conversation we've had. And about 15 minutes in, she was like, hey, like I just realized like I'm probably wasting your time. We can end the call now. And I was like, this isn't about me. If you need that time on the call, I'll help you get some clarity. Mm -hmm. And she's more motivated than ever to change her life. Now, whether or not she joins Lifestyle Copywriter, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. You know, I could help her more if she does, but at the very least, giving her that clarity and sense of direction, I think that is my zone of genius, is taking the mental clutter mm -hmm. that someone else has and really streamlining it and mm -hmm. helping them see it clear as day putting it right in front of their face. I think that's my zone of genius for sure. That and supporting mm -hmm. people, like I said. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, you are, your very first business as a, well, it wasn't your first business, but your business as a, a, a relationship coach, a dating coach, that was you trying to express that, right? And so yeah. sometimes our failed endeavors, not failed, or just like we, we kind of go down the path and then we pull back and we, mm -hmm. you know, we find our way. It's us trying to find that place to express it. And it's really cool for me to hear that you are expressing it. And yes, I hear that. We had a conversation, you know, uh, on the plane and it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm writing a book and I'm here's my title, but I don't have a subtitle yet. And, and you know, we came up with the subtitle uh, for my book, From Possibility to Profit, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Maximum impact and income in your business. It was super simple, but I was getting myself tied in knots around it. So it helped me with that, which was really fun. But here's the key that I want you to take away from what Ed just shared is that it's about being in service with your gifts. Maybe she signs up, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she signs up 
two years from now. It would be better for her, we know that, to sign up sooner and get that help and get that support sooner and get her there. And some people just aren't ready for it. But the key is, listeners, if you're in that service-based profession, whatever that is, which most of my listeners are in service-based professions, it's about showing up and serving from your gifts and the rest will follow. Zig Ziglar said, you help enough people get what they need, you will get what you need. And you are an example of that in the world that you have everything you need. So you can be out there just, and that's partly because you came from that place of service. I believe it's not partly, I believe it's because you've always come from that place of service. And that's the, the results you're, you're experiencing. Okay, final question before we get to the rapid fire questions that are just okay. for fun. Let's talk quickly about burnout. Mm. And just a kind of a, let's draw a line under that one because you know, here you are, because you're what, 22 or 23 right now? 22. 22, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, what I was doing at 22, but I wasn't running an, an international business. And, you know, and that says a lot about the world we live in, that those opportunities are there now to create something that would not have been possible when I was 22. And mm. I think it's so awesome. This is why I'm always on a mission to like, I mean, as a former educator, I used to be like, go to university, it's really important. And I'm like, mm, maybe not so much. Right? The world can be your university. There's apprenticeship opportunities with mentors and, and coaches and, and programs like mine and like Ed's. And, you know, so I'm on this mission to like get as people just doing what their genius is and following that. Because going to university isn't always the answer. I'm not saying university is bad, but it's not always the right answer. So that's why I always joke I'm on a mission to make sure my niece never has a real job. She works for me part time and she works for a, um, as a digital marketing for a, for a brewery. And, um, you know, she's having a blast and using her gifts. So, but you're in your zone of genius doing that. And at 22, you've experienced what it is to feel a little bit burnt out because you're not in alignment. So knowing what you know now, what advice are you going to give to your past? What did you get? Would you give to your past self? And what advice would you give to your future self? Okay. So this is not going to be at all the answer you're expecting. And I'm okay. so excited. When you're truly burnt out, it impacts your whole life. It's not just when I think about work, I don't want to do it. It's like your whole life, you don't want to get out of bed at all. So maybe I was a bit burnt out for maybe like three to six months. But past that, the rest was mental game. So mm -hmm. that, that's the crazy part. It was the story I was telling myself. So what I realized is growing up, me and my mom have a great relationship now, but it wasn't, and this is very, very recent. We've kind of repaired things. Actually, the trip back to Vancouver, was that was it. Like that was why Amazing. it's good now. So growing up, because my mom was always very, very critical. Like her mom was even more critical. And so like, how can you give what you never received, you know, when you were a child, right? So I understand that now. So I'm very forgiving of that. And I love her for that, for what she's done, you know? Um, but nonetheless, it still was critical, still was over, you know, expecting overachievement. Yeah. And so I always felt as a kid, nothing ever is good enough. And then when I was working with this previous mentor, same theme applied. It's, you know, I, I work so hard, 80, 100 hours a week, but nothing that was ever good enough for him. And we even ended our relationship with him hanging up on me yell, after yelling at him and his wife yelling at me over the phone saying, I wish I'd never mentored you. Mm -hmm. And I looked up to him more than my own dad. And That's so rough. I guess like 
this internal programming was nothing I ever do is going to be good enough. And so it wasn't even burnout that hit me. It was my body just shutting down because I just felt to my core that nothing I ever do will ever be good enough. So why bother do anything? Yes. So after enough conversations with my mentors, fucking amazing, this new guy I've got here. I've been working for about a year. I signed up for a whole year in full with him. He's just the best thing ever. I realized that. And he asked me one question. He was like, so what do you have to do to feel like you're enough? And I was like, nothing, like there's nothing I can do. And, he, and then, and then as, when he asked me that, it kind of hit me. I was like, if there's nothing I can do to feel good enough, it's not like I can say, you know, I'll donate $1,000 of charity and I'll feel good enough. So if there's literally nothing I can do to feel good enough, then there's nothing I cannot do to feel good enough right now. So I could just choose to feel good because there's, there's no actual mm-hmm. criteria. It's all subjective by me. So I can choose to feel good enough, but it has to come from me, not someone else's validation. And that was kind of what kickstarted a lot of, and it's honestly like a lot of this was just coming out the past week mm-hmm. that I've been able to share this because like this has been just revolutionary. And I've been, I've been working like five, six hour days. I'm running Facebook ads now. I'm taking like five, six calls a day, maybe enrollment calls, coaching with clients, working with you know, $30 million a year businesses, as well as coaching my students. Like I'm out of burnout. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. and that like, it, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. So the key here, and this is, it's all about perspective because if and you and I have a similar journey and you know, of, of, and usually when you see high performers, it's because they're often driven by that, that need to prove themselves and prove that they're enough. And I was actually just writing in a chapter of my book last night, just the same thing about that. It's like always like looking for enoughness outside. Like if I just do this, take this action, build this business, do this certification, I uh, get this result, then I'm going to be good enough. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely right. It's, it's the best answer, Ed, because if we're driven to look for being enough, that can burn us out too. We can have this kind of internal, it's like there's the the external, like doing too much physically, but it's always driven by trying to seek enoughness. And you're right, you're the only one who can give you that. And, And let's be clear, this is gonna be an ongoing journey, right? The program that you and I have, Ed, is that, and that sounds like our spiritual curriculum, is to always be saying, I'm enough, and working through that out. And then coming through that place of really getting to know yourself so that you can love yourself, honor yourself, accept yourself, and know that you are already enough. You are already stellar, I like to say. You don't have to do or be anything else than what you already are. So it is that mental game. And that helps you to then take the actions you need. You're already enough. And from that place, being at peace with what you're, are, where you're at and being at peace with your enoughness is where you can take the most inspired and powerful action from. Okay. Ed, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Your time and energy is so, I value you so much. And I so appreciate that you shared this with us. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to share with the guests, like how they can get in touch with you, how they can work with you, the copywriters, how they can get copywriters that you have coached to work with them if they need that support. So, but first, so stay tuned for that people. Rapid fire questions, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Okay. We'll still be friends. Um, Favorite place to visit? 
usually I ask the zodiac sign, but we had a conversation about the human design. So yeah. your human design. I'm a mental projector. You can look up what that means. We're not going to get into it on the show today. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Scariest thing you ever did. I think it'd have to be, can I say mushrooms? Is that like, have like a real psychedelic <laughs> sure. experience? Sure. Okay. So like I had, I had a pretty severe trip on one of those. So that, that's the scariest thing I ever did. Non-negotiable self-care ritual. Walk, going on walks outside. Yeah. Just, just, it's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Especially living in, you're in London, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Book you were most inspired by. Now this is the book that you're like, if you had to get on a spaceship to Mars and you were only allowed to bring one book to add to the library that was being built there, which is the book you'd bring? Ooh, man. So let's say it's the book that you write in the future. Mm. Maybe it's the book you write. Loving Yourself Unconditionally, A Perfectionist Guide to Navigating Yourself and the Story You Tell Yourself Every Day. Amazing. <laughs> if you were a city, who would you be? Probably Vancouver, honestly. Mm. I see that. I get that. Something you haven't done yet that's on your dream list. Contrary to our monetary thing, I want to marry my girlfriend. Does she know? <laughs> She's oh yeah we, okay. oh yeah no uh, she never lets me forget <laughs> <laughs> awesome okay now i recently rebranded the show to the being stellar show and it used to be called the stellar life project but i still love this question if your life were a or business were a project what would you call it i called mine the stellar life project what would you mm. call yours going easy on yourself <laughs> Mm, nice. <laughs> Project Ed, going easy on yourself. Great. There we go. Okay, final question. All right. Success leaves clues. What's the one clue or tip that you will leave for others who are coming behind you? Okay, you're ahead on the path. Yeah. You're leaving a clue for somebody, a success clue. What would that be? Get the right people in your life. Everything else will fall into place. Mentors and friends and family. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice. And peers too. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Awesome. Thank you, Ed. Thank you so much for sharing your time and energy with me and with our listeners. And how do people get in touch with you? So you can go to my website at edray.com, E-D-R-E-A-Y.com, and you'll probably be prompted to put in your email or something there. Because he's really good at that sort of marketing. <laughs> or you can hit me up on Facebook. It's edray, E-D-R-E-A-Y. I mean, I post there almost every single day and you can reach out to me, just shoot me a text. I mean, as a friend, shoot me a message, and if you're looking for copywriters, also hit me up there, because I got lots of them. Yeah, so if you are a copywriter and you're going to get some support in lifestyle copywriting program, reach out. Mm -hmm. If you are needing a copywriter, when I met Ed, I was like, awesome, I'm so glad to meet you, because I'm, I'm gearing up as soon as this book is finished, I'm gonna need some support with a copywriter for my marketing. He's like, I don't do one-on-one -on -one anymore, but I got a lot of people, so um, if you're in that, place in your business where you're looking to bring a copywriter on board, uh, Ed is the guy to talk to. He will pair you with somebody who's awesome. Because I know I find mm. myself thinking, who do I pick? Where do I find somebody? I don't know. And so I'm really excited to have met you so that I can, when I'm ready in the new year for that, I've got somebody I can reach to. Again, surrounding myself with stellar people and collecting them to share with you as well. Again, thanks so much, Ed. My pleasure. Thank you.